everything begins by teaching people this three-word framework because we find that it is the foundation, or as I say, it's the DNA of story. I'm Salisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Everybody loves a good story. It's what draws us to good books, good movies, good podcasts. And we know that good stories can draw prospective learners to us and the learning experiences we offer. But telling a good story is harder than it looks, particularly in the realm of business, where often too much emphasis is put on numbers, data, and building a case rather than appealing to emotions, human connection, familiar patterns, and satisfying hooks. If you listen to this episode, you'll get a mini class in how to tell a good story for your learning business. Park Howell is the founder of The Business of Story. Park comes from the marketing world where he ran his own advertising agency for 20 years before winding that down to focus on storytelling, specifically stories in the context of businesses and brands. One of his big ahas is the and but therefore agile narrative framework. And the ABT framework is the focus of this episode, number 396. Salisa talks with Park about the power of storytelling and its connection to how the human brain works. Park and Salisa walk through the ABT framework at a conceptual level and then at a practical level as Park puts Salisa on the hot seat and works with her to craft an ABT. So sit back, listen, enjoy, and learn from this conversation that Salisa and Park had in January 2024. And after it's over, you might want to go back and re-listen to this introduction, which leverages the ABT framework in the opening. So would you tell listeners a little bit about the work you do? Yeah, I mean, real quick backstory is I've been in the advertising, branding, marketing world for almost 40 years. I ran my own ad agency for 20 of those years in Phoenix, Arizona. And in the early 2000s, I realized that the way we were marketing and branding as we knew it was no longer working primarily because of the internet, social media. And I used to tell our clients, you own the influence of mass media. Well, we all know that the masses have become the media. And there's so much noise out there that I had to go and find an answer. How do we communicate these important stories to the world? And that's when I found storytelling and learned that really stories are the very first technology that humans ever used to communicate to not just you know survive the savanna but thrive and evolve to where we are today so in 2016 salisa after studying story for almost 10 years and applying it in my ad agency i wound that down and now all i do is consult teach coach and speak on the power of story in organizations and business at universities at any number of areas well, great. And I have had the chance to hear you speak and it was a, a wonderful message. And that's part of why I wanted to have you on the podcast to share a little bit about that ABT Agile Narrative Framework. And so I want to focus our conversation on that, but you know, because it is a really, I think, both practical and elegant tool, and I think it's going to give listeners a, a lot of ideas to, to try out. 
Now we'll get to what ABT stands for, but I'm hoping maybe right now you could just sort of explain how you came to arrive at this framework. Yeah, well, when I was studying story in the early 2000s, I was lucky because our middle child, our son Parker, was going to film school at Chapman University in Orange, California. He started in 2006, graduated in 2010, and he's made a really nice career in the film world ever since. But while he was going to school there, and like I was saying earlier, Salisa, I was looking for an answer. How do you hack through the noise and hook into the hearts of people? Um, I asked Parker, I said, please send me your books and your recorded lectures when you're done with them, since we're paying for them, because I would like to know what does Hollywood know about communicating and be competitive, you know, in the most competitive storytelling market in the world, and that's Hollywood. Well, that's when I came across The Hero's Journey, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, and it struck me right between the eyes the first time I, I learned about it. And I thought to myself, this is such a marvelous framework for strategizing around brand story development and even long-form communication. And I asked myself, why don't they teach The Hero's Journey in communications courses, in advertising courses, even in MBA courses? And I took that 17th step of the hero's journey. And I mapped it to business with what I call my 10-step story cycle system. And as you know, I wrote a textbook about how to apply it. And we had a lot of success with it, still do, but it's complicated. Mm -hmm. So I, in all of my travels, said, okay, how do we simplify this? How can we break down the elements of this so people could use it immediately? And I found the five primal elements of a short story that was really inspired by a company out of Melbourne, Australia called Anecdote that teaches these five primal elements in leadership, communication, whatever, and realized you could take those elements and in under a minute, share a story that makes your business point for you, you know, it's, that shows your impact in action. And I started adding that to my repertoire of teaching and found that that was still a little bit complicated for people. And then in 2013, just over a decade ago, I was introduced to the work of Dr. Randy Olson. Dr. Olson is a Harvard PhD evolutionary biologist. He does a really crazy thing in his mid-30s. He gives up tenure and he goes back to school at USC film school. He graduates, produces three documentaries on climate change and global warming, but really realized that his mission in life was to take what he learned in Hollywood, much like what I learned from Chapman University, and translate it to the science and academic world to help those big thinkers, those scientists and PhDs take their complex messages and make them simple. And it was in Dr. Olson's second book called Connection that he was just publishing in September of 2013. They sent me galleys of the book. His publisher did before it went out. And that's where I was introduced to the ambut, therefore. And it blew me away when I looked at this. I'm like, from all of my years in branding, always trying to make a complex message simple, I looked at this and it struck me intuitively but I was like, am I just drinking the Kool-Aid here or is this really a thing? And I contacted Dr. Olson. He and I have since become fast friends. And he and I together have helped evolve the end. But therefore, he's still in the science world. Me taking all of that finding and actually working with him in the science world and translating it to the leadership and the business world. And the rest is kind of history. Now, in all of the training I do, like the one you experienced at the PAR Rev Up 
conference, everything begins by teaching people this three-word framework because we find that it is the foundation, or as I say, it's the DNA of story. And by the way, I love the fact that I beat a Harvard PhD evolutionary biologist to that title. Because when I said, Randy, you, <laughs> you found the DNA of story. And he's like, wait a minute, I'm this, the, the you know the scientist here. And I go, yes, but I'm the brander. So you got to put a tag to it. And that's where we are today, teaching it everywhere. So maybe go a little bit deeper on and, but therefore, ABT, mm-hmm. explain a little bit about how that works. Yeah. So the and, but, therefore, it's not something we invented. It literally has been around since the beginning of time. In fact, the very first story of Gilgamesh that they found, you know, carved out of cuneiform tablets is based in, as you look at the story structure, you'll see the and, but, therefore, throughout it. What and, but, and, therefore, does is uses the three forces of story. And those three forces are agreement, contradiction, and consequence. And we have determined that our primal pattern-seeking, cause-and-effect, problem-solving, business-buying brain, the limbic brain, loves to get messages through these three forces using these three forces of story because that limbic brain, you know, that amygdala, hippocampus, that survival mechanism that sits at the base of our brain is a problem-solution dynamic apparatus. It has to be. So the algorithms, think of it like software. It takes in the algorithm of setup problem resolution so that it can quickly make meaning out of it to determine what the next step should be, right? So let's take, for instance, I I like I didn't share it at our at the show the other um, few weeks ago when you saw it in action, but I like to bring up this little story of Thog and Larry. Now, Larry's we're going to go way back to the savannah. These are cave mates, right? Cavemen. Larry's sitting around a fire inside the cave, and he's warming his hands, and he looks up, and Thog comes into the entrance, and Thog looks pretty disheveled. And Larry says, Thog, where you been? And Thog says, well, I was down at river catching saber-toothed salmon for dinner. And Thog goes, or Larry goes, uh-huh, that's set up, right? Then Thog says, but saber-toothed tigers show up. Larry goes, uh-oh, what'd you do? Well, I give salmon to tiger. It likes salmon better than thog. Therefore, I'm safely back here at fire with you, Larry. And Larry goes, aha, set up problem resolution. So easy a caveman can do it. Uh Uh-huh, uh-oh, aha. (laughs) So you now advance that to where we are today. Our limbic brain has not changed appreciably since Larry and Thog and everybody else was trying to survive the savanna. It's the same brain that we use to try to survive this onslaught of communication coming at us. And we have learned that those three word, those three word algorithm is that first learning technology that we still use and rely on today. But so many people in large organizations and businesses get stuck in their logic, reason, brain, and they don't use the power of story to connect with that crazy homo sapien that's sitting across from them whose brain is simply trying to make meaning out of the madness of being human beings. The ABT enables you to hack through the noise and hook into that limbic, problem-solving, decision-making, buying brain. Mm-hmm. 
At Tagoras, we're experts in the global business of lifelong learning, and we use our expertise to help clients better understand their markets, connect with new customers, make the right investment decisions, and grow their learning businesses. We achieve these goals through expert market assessment, strategy formulation, and platform selection services. If you're looking for a partner to help your learning business achieve greater reach, revenue, and impact, learn more at tagoras.com services. Maybe sort of walk us through, a, you know, an example that might be, you know, an organization trying to sell a, an online course that they have or, or something that's, you know, a little bit more practical in terms of, of today. Yeah. All right, Salisa, can I put you on the hot seat? Oh, boy. We'll try it. Yeah, sure. Let, let's build an ABT for your podcast. Mm, okay. Okay. So it'll be like, almost be like your brand narrative, but we are going to make it so short and sweet and problem solution centric. All right. So you're you ready to play along? I'm ready to try. <laughs> this is always fun. Here's what I want you to do. And this is all for all of your listeners too. get out a pen and paper and just follow along and, and follow the coaching that I'm going to give Salisa here. So Salisa, who is your number one audience? Can you identify the number one audience that you attract to your podcast? We like to say that we serve learning business leaders. So the folks who are in a leadership position in an organization that has to develop and sell and market continuing education, professional development, lifelong learning offerings. Awesome. All right. So I'm just going to write down learning business professionals. Okay. Okay. Will that work for you? That works. What do they want? We are creating our statement of agreement here. Remember the three forces of story, our agreement, contradiction, consequence. The and is the statement of agreement. The but is the statement of conflict or contradiction. The therefore is a statement of consequence. Here's the way forward. So in developing your and statement, you want to to be positive, you want it to be aspirational, you want to communicate a shared vision with your audience so that they know that you understand who they are and appreciate what they want and why that's important to them. So we now know that you know that your number one audience is learning business professionals. What do they want relative to your podcast. And they might not even know you yet, but you know them so well that you know that this is ultimately what they want that you're going to help them to get. What is it that they want that they can get from your podcast? They want to provide excellent resources to the learners that they serve. Okay. Provide excellent resources. All right. And then why is that important to them? Because that's how they help move the dial in the field or industry or profession that their learning business serves. That's how they make a difference in the world is by delivering those excellent resources that will support those learners. To make a difference in the world. Okay. We're going to boil this down just a little bit. But right now, our statement of agreement is you are a learning business professional and you want to provide excellent training opportunities that have real world impact in the lives of your learners. Is that fair enough? Amen. Okay. But what is the problem that they have? What What's frustrating them right now? What are they fearful of and what's causing that? This is your but statement. There are a lot of places where you can get support in terms of developing training, the instructional design, what needs to go into that. 
there are a lot of places where you can go for kind of more generic leadership or management. But what a learning business professional really needs is is a resource and and someone who understands both angles of that. What does it mean to provide excellent learning and what does it mean to run an excellent business and combining those two? So would it be safe to say that maybe they're not having the impact they currently wish to have because they're not certain of the way forward or because there's just too much information out there that doesn't focus on their core need of building a business and and, and training people in the process? Yeah, I think that the second piece that you said around maybe just that there's not enough sort of focused resources for them. So, right, like they have to kind of sift through and figure out which way to go and that it's kind of a broad spectrum between developing the learning all the way to sort of the the business side of things as well. Because there, there are not the focused resources that they need to help mm-hmm. move the needle. Then the therefore, therefore, I want you to tell me what is an emotion that they are going to get when they really start dialing in their business practice. An emotion. That's what yeah. you said. Yeah. The emotion. I want you to focus on the emotion. Is confidence an emotion? Okay. Yes. Okay. Confidence <laughs> is fine. Let's work with that one. Okay. You know, now you can gain the confidence to build an incredible training program or training business impacting hundreds of thousands of people around the world when you do what? When By you listen listening to your show? That's right. <laughs> okay. So there's a real quick ABT on the fly. Mm-hmm. We have setup, problem, resolution. And let's see, I've, I've kind of cobbled this together, Salisa. And I, I, I always like to have people start with the pronoun shift of you being you, the audience you're talking to, mm-hmm. to get you as the storyteller to tell your story, in this case, your am, but therefore from the perspective of your audience. And the best way to do that is with the you. So it's something like you are a learning business professional. And if you had focused resources to build your business, then you would have the incremental or the exponential impact on people's lives you seek through your training products and services, but you're frustrated because you're not currently having that impact due to the fact that there are so many different resources out there you don't know what to focus on. Therefore, you can now have the confidence to build your program and that impact by listening to one show, the Leading Learning Podcast. Now, that's not perfect, but it does show you the framework. I want you to always start with your audience. What do they want relative to your offering and why is that important to them? What you're doing, Salisa, when you do that is, you know, I talked about the three forces of story of agreement, contradiction, and consequence. What I've learned in this process, there's also three forces to trust building. Mm -hmm. And the ABT is the framework in order to do that because it makes you from the storyteller, number one, to first do the discovery and think about your audience so that you demonstrate to them that you understand who they are. They're like, oh, Salise is actually taking the time to actually understand who she's talking to. That's cool. Then appreciation. So understanding is the first force. Appreciation is the second force. You are showing them that you appreciate what they want and why that's important to them. 
The third force of trust building is empathy. That shows up in your but statement. But you're frustrated, but you're fearful, but you're you know, annoyed because here's the problem. So you're empathizing. They are hearing it through your story. They're saying, wow, she gets me. She understands who I am. She appreciates what I want, why that's important to me. And she empathizes with why I don't have it. The therefore then, the trust is built. Therefore, here's the way forward. Set up problem resolution. Again, our primal pattern-seeking, cause-and-effect, problem-solving, decision-making, limbic, buying brain loves to get messaging in this way because it doesn't have to work for it. We are just simply feeding it the algorithm in the way it wants to take in information. And I will say, you know, the, the minute I learned about ABT, I mean, it's so easy to apply it. I think it, like the next day I was working on a session description and, you know, I started thinking, okay, and, but therefore, and it gives you a really nice scaffolding to help you think about how can you convey the message about whatever this this thing is. But I, I found it just immediately useful. <laughs> so simple well, and in elegant. Our world. Yeah, in our world, it really is. And I say our world in the learning and development world, the, the teaching and training, because I do this, share the courses online and I do them in person and hybrid virtual training and that kind of thing. I am your customer. I am your listener. I have built a business about this and I you know, can learn a lot from you all. It's really effective. And I think maybe you found this too, because you can identify your audience being that learner in particular. What is it that that learner wants out of the training that they may not even know is yet available to them, but you as the training producer can identify what that is and why is it important to them? How, what kind of growth do they want to get out of it? But now this is the gap that your training is going to help them overcome, but they're frustrated. They're not growing the way they are. They're not having the impact because of this major problem that your training is going to bridge help them overcome. Therefore, as the learner, imagine when you have this new tool or this new skill, the impact you can have when you take this particular course or by taking this particular course or whatever. So it works. It's a beautiful, great framework in the learning world. So I have one kind of maybe nitpicky question, but I think you addressed it when I heard you speak. But I mean, therefore, isn't a word that I tend to use a lot in daily conversations. Mm -hmm. And so I think you suggested some potential substitutions when I, when I heard you talk or yeah. other words that people might use that might sound more natural or, or conversational than a therefore. Yeah, we start with and but therefore, because that's the framework. And so I'm like, and everybody asks that question too. It's a really good question. It's not nit nitpicky at all, because I don't use therefore a lot either. But when I'm first writing an ABT, I'm just going to use the and but therefore. It's the, they're my markers to get me in. Quite often, especially in the business world, I'll replace therefore with now. <laughs> now, you know, here's the way forward. All I'm trying to do with the end, but therefore is to get the structure, the framework of setup problem resolution down in my mind. Um, a lot of people are really concerned about using the word, but so you can use yet, you can use however, there are lots of other words you can use, but I would suggest go ahead and use, but we have found that to be the number one trigger word. 
Now, people will push back and say, well, Park, I've always been told never, ever, ever to use the word but in business communications or training or whatever. And I think that's true if you are like reviewing someone, you know? So Lisa, it's so great to have you on the team. The impact you've had here over the last year has been marvelous. Everybody loves working with you. But, <laughs> well, I've just negated everything that has come before that. And you don't want to do it like that in leadership, you know, at all. However, if you are trying to shake someone out of status quo, and isn't that really what learning is all about, is putting them through the rigor of upskilling through learning, the only way you are going to shake that status quo homo sapien brain into action is to give them a good, what we call, butt bomb. You got this, and it's important to you because of this, but you ain't ever going to accomplish it unless you do this. Therefore, here's the course to get there. It's the way to shake the brain out of being complacent. And you're talking directly to that person, saying you can stay in status quo if you like, but here, you know, but but here's the problem if you do that. Therefore, here's the answer to that problem. So we have lots of substitution words. There's not really a substitution word for the word and. Sometimes you don't even need to have and. Sometimes you can be so powerful in that first setup, you don't need it. But we find the power story rests in the specifics. So when you use the word and, it builds more momentum for your story in the context of your story. We even have that I didn't really get a chance to go into in that training session, the if-then clause that we can use that adds even more specificity in your and statement of agreement. If you do this, then you'll get that. And it, again, it plays to that cause and effect brain. In the but section, there's a most powerful word in addition to that but. It's a conjunction. It's the word because. And so, Lisa, being in the, in the training world, you may be aware of this Harvard a study on the word because and behavior change, and that they found that it is the single most powerful word to create behavior change. And you know how they did it? They had this silly little study, and I think it was like back in like 1978 or something like that. There's lots of articles on the power of the word because. What they did is they queued up a line of people that were making, unbeknownst to them, that they were uh, taking part in a study, they were waiting in line for a good old-fashioned Xerox machine to make copies. There might have been six or seven people waiting in line. They sent the first person in with copies and said and asked if they could cut in front of the line and would tell the person, can I cut in here because I got to make copies? Well, believe it or not, they got 60% compliance with just asking to cut in. But when they add the word because, so the person, the next person would show up a different line and say, hey, can I cut in front of you because I have to make copies? That 60% compliance went up to 92% compliance. The third one was, can I make copies because I'm in a hurry? That then went up to 94% compliance. And so they did some more study on this word because, and again, it plays back that cause and effect thing. I've got this thing happening here because of this. And we have found when you add the because to your but statement of agreement, it makes it even more powerful. But you're frustrated because of this problem. It really sets up the problem you're going to solve for. Therefore, imagine when you have, you know, when you achieve your success by doing this to overcome that problem. And that's the way it works. Kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. That is fascinating <laughs> that because that second option in that story is it's just stating 
the obvious. <laughs> it is. Can, can I cut in line because I need to make copies? You're all, they're all waiting in line to make copies. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. But it went up to 92% compliance. Yeah. That's then you add some urgency to it and you even tweak it by 2%. Yeah. Wow. So another question, you mentioned earlier the limbic brain sort of the, and then kind of the rational side and that sometimes businesses tend to think too much about the rational side, right? And making their case and trying to convince the logical mind, you know, that this is the, the thing to do. But it seems like there is a place for both the storytelling and the data. So how do you kind of balance or marry it up? Or how do you think about providing some of that data that sort of bolsters the and but therefore? Yeah, I follow the lead. It's a great question. I follow the lead of American social psychologist, Jonathan Haidt. He wrote The Happiness Hypothesis, among some other really, really interesting books. And he says, he states emphatically, in fact, I had him on my show a few years ago, and I we covered this a little bit. He said, our, our, our brains, our minds are story processors, not logic processors. Yet in organizational communications, we tend to lead with logic and reason. It has a place, but not until after you set the context, the emotional context, the problem solution dynamic with a story so that homo sapien, storytelling ape sitting across from you can picture what that outcome is or what that problem is or whatever. And then you've probably been there. We all have been there when someone like has really persuaded us. And then also we're like, whoa, 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 okay, wait, okay. I think that makes sense. Can you prove it to me? Then you roll out the logic and reason. You sold to the heart. You are now squarely inside their head. You get them nodding yes, like you are right now. But then they might go, well, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not so fast. Can you show it to me or prove it to me? That's when the numbers come into play. So there's still a place for logic and reason. Just don't start with it. Start with the emotional pull of the story. Show the dynamic in action so that they can picture it, they can feel it, and then back it up with logic and reason. So you started earlier saying, you know, how old storytelling is, right? It goes back to sort of the earliest uh, human, maybe even pre-homo sapiens, sort of uh, yeah. our, our instinct there. And, and so it's storytelling, very old. It's this innate desire we have. And you've been involved with it for a long time. But I'm curious to know if you've seen anything that sort of changed about storytelling. And maybe you talked about it a little bit when you're talking about sort of the noise and sort of social media. But in general, how have you seen storytelling change since you've really been focused on it? I don't honestly think it has. I mean, I think it is as normal to us as our digits, as our arms, as our legs. Um, Novel Harari, who wrote Sapiens, I don't know if you've read that book. I love, love, love that book. You know, he says it is literally our first learning tool. And because our brains have not changed appreciably, it's still how we make sense out of the world. So I don't think storytelling in how it works has changed at all. I think we are very creative individuals. So we tell stories in lots of different ways. I mean, look at Christopher Nolan. Memento. Here's a fabulous, one of the world's best storytellers. He's director from Hollywood. I just did Oppenheimer. One of his first movies was Memento. And if you remember Memento, he tells that story completely backwards. It worked. Not many people can pull that off. He was able to pull that off. But the hero's journey, when you look at the archetype and the structure of the hero's journey, 
it's been around since the beginning of time and it doesn't change. So I think in answer to that question is you can be as creative as you like in telling your stories. The frameworks that I teach are like they're foolproof and they're not something I invented at all. They've been revealed to me by lots of different scholars and all I've done is pieced it together to make it work in the business world, in the learning, you know, training world, in the organizational communications world. I teach it to the likes of the U.S. Air Force. I spent four years, twice a year, going out to Andrews Air Force Base, working with their brigadier to four-star generals and their staff, teaching them these frameworks so that they could recruit and retain more airmen and women, as well as be able to communicate their big ideas to Congress. But it was the frameworks that we were working on. The Home Depot, learning and development for Walmart Canada. I taught at Arizona State University as a uh, professor of practice, never having taught my life. It's one of the reasons why I found that I loved learning and development and teaching is for five years, I taught a storytelling program within the School of Sustainability there. And again, I go back to these proven frameworks, the chassis of communication, and then you as the storyteller could bring your own personality and creativity to it, but don't deviate from the, the, the chassis, the frameworks, unless you're Christopher Nolan and can pull it off. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of chassis, we'll shift gears here a little bit. And um, <laughs> Ooh, we very nice. <laughs> Well, we always like to ask the guests who come on the Leading Learning Podcast about their own approach to their continued learning. So do you have habits or sources or practices that you use to help you continue to learn and grow? Yeah, my number one is what you're doing right now. I host the Business of Story podcast. I've done it for over eight years. I'm coming up on 500 episodes and I bring in you know experts from around the world in some form of storytelling. And people are like, Park, how can you keep talking about storytelling after 500 episodes? You must have covered everything. And I'm like, no, it even amazes me. People have a different approach to the storytelling. It's like their own spoke coming in from the wheel, but it all comes down to that same storytelling hub of these frameworks. So my number one way to keep growing is by interviewing great people like yourself. And other story artists from Hollywood, from business, from learning and development, from you name it, um, around the world. That's what I do. Number two, because I most of those people show up, have a book or a course they're selling, I typically read that book and or scan it very intently and sometimes take their courses. So it's ongoing learning for me. And then I just pay attention to what's happening. I, I you know, do a lot of media research and what's happening in pop culture out there to figure out how story is already infiltrating our lives and we don't know it through the songs we love, the books we read and the shows we watch and the movies we watch and how that impacts us as storytellers. And like you and I, I guess we could define ourselves as organizational communicators, you know, through our learning and teaching and training. And so everything comes through all of these different channels, but with a focus on how can I help someone grow as a more confident, compelling, and persuasive communicator in their organizational role. And it's using all of the story that's worrying around us that we see every single day. And so it just, it kind of sometimes shows up in the most surprising ways. Mm -hmm. 
Park Hal is the founder of The Business of Story. In the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 396, you'll find links to the Business of Story website and Park's profile on LinkedIn. If you'd like to learn more about the ABT narrative framework, you have a couple of options. Park has put together a short hour-long online course that goes into more detail and has you practice writing ABTs. He's also co-written with Dr. Randy Olson, The Narrative Gym for Business. The book only takes about an hour and a half to read, and every chapter has exercises for you to apply and start crafting your own ABTs. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 396, you'll find options for subscribing to the podcast. Jeff and I would be grateful if you would subscribe if you haven't yet, as those subscriptions give us some insight into the impact of the podcast. We'd also be grateful if you'd rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, especially if you find the Leading Learning Podcast valuable. Those ratings and reviews help us show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Lastly, please help us grow the leading learning community. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 396, there are links to find us on X, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Podcast.